podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield wrap. Uh, Neil Atkinson, I'm back. Uh, Mel, what's been going on? Nothing, nothing much. You haven't missed anything. <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, nothing at all. But it's good to be back. Uh, I've got Mel Reddy, I've got Dan Austin, and I've got Jay McKenna with me to have a chat about uh, the goings on around Liverpool Football Club uh, and the week to come as much as anything else because the exciting thing is we get to watch Liverpool play football again soon. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the transfers. But I want to talk about the outs as much as the ins uh, this week on the Anfield wrap. I also want to have a chat about the goalkeeping situation. It's interesting that the manager brought that up this morning. Uh, and in general, we can, uh, we, it doesn't look like obviously there's going to be any ins there but there may be one or two outs and then what we can expect from this week's pre-season games but I will start with you Mel as someone who has to write about Liverpool on a pretty daily basis it's probably been a bit of a long week for you there are you expecting there to be more activity for you to write about this week? Um, I think Jurgen Klopp practically said it himself that the club have to be patient at the moment given the the level of business they're doing but the other interesting thing that he said was we're doing a lot behind the scenes that probably we can't see you know we don't know about um and I think you know following the the Virgil van Dyke situation a lot of stuff will be kept as quiet as possible so even though there may not be um continuous updates I don't think that's a sign that things aren't happening um one of the things I I always connect the dots with is when a club are constantly having to come out and say somebody's not for sale or this is our stance um like Borussia Dortmund did with uh, Christian Pulisic as well obviously that's because that is how they feel about the situation but they they're forced into saying it um, all the time so I think there will be work being done behind the scenes um, annoying that you know like you say there's not much to report on but I don't think that's a sign that not much is being done it's what sort of gets my attention on this Jay is you know obviously it's strange because I'm about to talk in a minute and I'm going to say there's only a month until the first game of the season on the one hand on the other hand it's noticeable that Chelsea still haven't signed a player City had the early rush of excitement, but they've had, they got those two in and they haven't done anything else since. We've got two in. Uh, the only club we were finding it quite straightforward, I think, in terms of signing people appears to be Everton. And there's a couple of specific circumstances around that, partially the sort of profile of player that they're going for. You know, let's be clear about this. If Liverpool wanted to sign Klassen, they'd have signed Klassen. That yeah. could have been, you know, that could, yeah. that, could, that could be done. So people are, you know, sort of impatient about it, want to see these, this, sort of, this sort of thing happen, but we're currently sitting here in Spurs have bought no one, and I think it's this is the, the next sort of two weeks are going to be the time by which I think the manager will, will be wanting to feel as though he's getting his players in, or if not, moving on to other targets. Well, yeah, because we're, we're trying to sign good players, or, like, really good players, and when you're trying to sign a really good player, other people are interested in the club who are selling them, don't want to lose them in the first instance, so I, I think you're right that it, it I don't think we should be too concerned that it hasn't happened. Um, you know, it, it it does seem to get earlier and earlier. You know, these players have contracts up until the first of July, and yet you're still announcing them usually in May and June. And I find the whole thing baffling. And I can understand if some of the selling clubs, as was the case in Van Dyke, just you know stand up for it sometimes and say we're not having this. This is like this is ridiculous. You're not you're not you're not make, we're not going to make it that easy for you. Similarly, Liverpool do, and will want their business done. You know, we we're going the season as you say starts in a month, but. You need them players in. You don't really want to be bringing them in just before, you know, the window closes and the season started. Um, you know, Klopp's clearly got 
you know, sights set on, on, on just a few really good players and, you know, we'll want them for the full duration of the season. But I, I, th- I think, you know, it, it, all of this, the context for it is people's reaction to it, isn't it? And, you know, the Van Dyke thing is, is going on, the cater thing's going on, you know, will, will they, won't they kind of thing. But that happens when, when you sign really good players, you know. Gareth Bale, I'm, I'm not trying to you know, say these are in any way correlate, but you know, when Gareth Bale was going to Real Madrid, it wasn't so straightforward. When big clubs are signing players for huge transfer fees, it isn't straightforward. And you know, maybe people just need to take a moment and, and remember that. The other, the other thing that strikes me on it, uh, Dan, is is that there isn't uh, there isn't a ton of links with alternatives. That's the main thing. I think Keiter is a bit of a special case anyway, and that I think that the manager just really likes him and everyone thinks he's really good and he'd just have him. And if you know, he's, he, he may end up going for another midfielder at some point, there's talk of Oxley Chamberlain and all that sort of stuff. But I don't. I think those things aren't linked. It's not like if he gets one, he'll go the other one. I think he'd just have them both and go from there. Mm. Van Dijk, there isn't a ton of other centre-halves being linked to Liverpool, which you know you would have thought there would be. It does sort of smack of, firstly, Liverpool wanting those players to know you're our guys, we want you. But secondly, sort of still being relatively confident that they will end up being Liverpool players when maybe we're not. It could be that the club's not properly prepared. It could be that they're, they're not looking at contingencies. It could be that people aren't doing the job properly. People listening might think that's the case. The alternative is that they remain sort of pretty confident that they'll get the, the manager's first choices. Yeah, I think people always tend to sort of approach these kinds of things in a negative way. So we'll look at Liverpool not having signed three or four players by this point as, um, or well, they're slouching or they haven't been Why do doing you think the job that? properly. I think it's just because people have that sort of fateless mentality where they, 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 especially since that previous set of ownership, it's sort of instilled in all of us to be very distrustful of any kind of authority around Liverpool Football Club. Um, so I think that's where it comes from. I also think there's just a sort of sadistic element to it where people like being angry, um, especially in the summer when you can't, you can't be that happy about anything. Because even if you go and sign, even if Liverpool were to buy Lionel Messi, they don't intrinsically gain anything from it. You can't, you can't you know... You can't watch have them. a bus tour for that. Score you can't have a, yeah, yeah. You can, yeah. Um, whereas you can get angry about them not doing things. But the other way to look at it would be if they are only looking at this particular set of targets and they're just working quietly and, and quite methodically and slowly behind closed doors to do it, then that's first of all showing patience and also determination to get the right people, which I think Liverpool, different Liverpool regimes, different managers, um, different ownerships, or the whole stuff with the transfer committee probably didn't used to do, and people used to get frustrated with that, in that they'd have one target, get the knockback, and then end up getting someone else. So where Liverpool wanted somehow, they'd end up with Jermaine Pennant yeah. and stuff like that. And that, seem, that seems to be sort of what, what some people want them to kind of go back to, just to get someone, just to get someone as opposed to necessarily the one that they really, really want, which I think is a bit strange. And it's not what Klopp said he'll do as well. Klopp said he'll make do with what he has if he can't sign mm. the player he really wants, and he'd done this by putting James Milner left-back last year. Yeah. And I think our fans can't get their heads around that because what they say is, well, there's got to be a better James Milner out there. There's got to be a better left-back. Even if it's not the one we want, there's someone better than yeah. James Milner. So they apply a very almost basic view of it. And Klopp, very short term. And very short term, but Klopp's probably saying to himself, well, no. It's like Neil's thing about, you know, whether there are or other are or aren't other centre halves that are out there. And I think it's quite good if Klopp's sure he only wants one. Even if I'm not sure on Virgil van Dijk, it has put in me some kind of positivity that, well, Klopp must be really sure he wants this lad. However, you know, we that doesn't mean our fans need to, like, you know, just give them a, a blank check, but you don't need to just be on the case so much. You don't need to just, like, be. Shotguns on the banks. Why aren't you signing this player? Well, if you can't get Van Dijk, go and sign someone else. Well, 
there's probably a reason why you can't just go and sign somebody else because they're not available, they're not interested in Liverpool. Maybe their wages don't fit with Liverpool's model or what Liverpool are offering. Now, whatever you think is right or wrong with that, that's the parameters we're operating in when we go to sign a player. You're not going to change that by mm. tweeting Mel saying, why haven't you signed Virgil <laughs> van Dijk just yet? You know, it's, it's really like, it's just too much. And and I think you're right, since the last owners, this distrust, people have got this voice and they feel they need to use it all of the time instead of just saying, all right, let, let's wait and see. You know, I've had people tweeting me, what are, they, what are you going to do if the owners don't sign players this summer? It's like, mate, it's July. I'm currently still thinking whether I'm going to go away in August. The transfer window mm. doesn't close until the end of August. That's just, we've got ages if we want to like kick off. Just wait and see. <laughs> I think it's quite important, yeah, the point you make, Dan, that you know the, the emphasis is definitely on improving quite substantially what's already at the club. There's no point... In, in bringing in padders or, you know, trying to, to think to yourself, if we really feel that these are the players that are going to elevate us and take us to the next level, oh, we're having a little bit of frustration. Let's just move on to two, three, four, just continue going down the list because it puts you at the same place you've previously been. You've had history of... of you know, buying squad players, them not being good enough, and then you're not, as a club, kicking on because you've chosen to go down that route. I think being patient, sticking it out, being confident, being determined, like you said, doing your work behind the scenes, doing everything it takes to try and get those things over the line first. And until you reach the point where you convince there's absolutely nothing left, nothing else you can do to get them in you've got to keep going for it because you've identified and there'll be reasons they've been identified cater for example if you speak to people who work in recruitment they say that it is very difficult actually they can't find an alternative for him because he's too players rolled into one practically because of his offensive and defensive ability, which is equally as good. So if people who work in recruitment are saying that there is no... And I'm not talking about people that work in Liverpool's recruitment. I'm saying recruitment for for other clubs, and you can find them on Twitter, uh, the guys from Statsbomb, for example. You have to, if you decide to move on from him, and if you decide to do that out of... um, annoyance that it's not happening as fast as you want yeah you're settling you've started on such a high base and then you force yourself to settle for something else I, i think impatience is not going to help anyone uh whether it be you know liverpool as the purchasing club the fan base because it just uh enhances the frustration it doesn't help the selling club as well because there's all this ramped up pressure in a short space of time which actually just you know solidifies their stance a little bit because it pisses them off that they keep have to answering the question all the time of whether the player is moving or not um i think again speaking to people in recruitment they've said that over the past two summers they've so last summer and this one they've noticed liverpool being a lot more intuitive in the market um on, based on who they've gone for, the pro- profile, vision, everything seems aligned. It all seems a lot more unified as well. And they're all confident that if Liverpool continue on this trend, 
to sign you know the players who stylistically are made for for the vision Klopp has that it will be a success obviously um it yeah they have to get the business over the line but i don't think it's worth getting so frustrated now especially like you you've all mentioned if you look at the business the rest of the top six are doing it's all it's also been slow for them now people point at Lacazette as an example of Arsenal doing things quickly well he had agreed to join Atletico Madrid the clubs had agreed a deal and the only reason he's not there is because of their transfer ban he wasn't even Arsenal's first choice they've you know they wanted Mbappe they've had to settle on him um, people use Lukaku as an example as well of, of business getting done quickly. United wanted Griezmann because of the transfer, Atleti's transfer ban, couldn't get Griezmann, wanted to get Morata, Real Madrid playing hardball, so they've gone to Lukaku, and Chelsea wanted Lukaku, so that's the Premier League champions missing out on a top target. I think we, we view things in a little bubble sometimes, and you've got to look out out of it and see what else is is happening not just in in the premier league but in all the top uh, leagues in europe to see that it's not a, a liverpool specific issue this when you want to get big business done it takes time i think the impatience in the supporter base as well is is in many ways based on the position that liverpool are in now um specifically finishing fourth on the last day of the season I think people are very anxious that that's taken advantage of um, Understandably and so. yeah and that Liverpool sort of consolidate themselves as as a genuine challenger at the top of the table especially with United and Arsenal being the ones that have missed out this season um, so, so from that comes this sort of desire to get a rush of players in quickly who are very good um, but to an extent we did that last time we qualified for the Champions League got a load of exotic sounds and names in and the vast majority of them were crap Really crap. Um, so I think people sort of haven't quite learned from not their own mistakes, but Liverpool's mistakes in the past. I think they sort of view this... Or I, I certainly view it as a change of tact from, from previous years. Um, and people seem to be unsettled by it and, and think that it's it's a negative and it shows that Liverpool aren't working hard enough when I would personally take it as, as them being a bit more methodical and um, hopefully um, working hard to get the people that they actually want. In the... The final reckoning of this jail will be either on the twelfth of August or maybe for one one maybe one player maybe two by the thirty first of August. It might go that long uh, for Liverpool, but you know you mentioned before that there's there will be. Uh, it's a strange situation in that you feel as though the desire to get the players, the, the, the very specific players, the desire for that is, is driven by the manager. Yet if those players aren't delivered you do feel as though there will be some frustration towards the, the hierarchy of the club, uh, first and foremost, when it, I think at least it's the manager who's very driven in terms of he wants the lads he wants. He, he's not a Rafa Benitez where he's, where he's got the, a book of every player in Europe ranked in terms of the order in which he'd quite like to sign one of them. It's very much he's got his own guys. There's, and there's no right answer here. You know, there's, there's, there's different ways to run football clubs. Different managers have different ways. But it does appear the Klopp's way is... is these are my guys and you'll get me them. And if not, I, as you said before, I'll, I'll, I'll solve the problem internally. I th yeah, I think he'll solve the problem. I think that's where, you know, the, the very public debate mainly taking place on things like Twitter about our transfer targets, that would be the first time there's some kind of evidence that this isn't all matching up. You know, people, pe people when they talk about transfers, this is the context for it, isn't it? People are saying Liverpool aren't spending enough or they're saying that Liverpool won't spend on wages what they need to do to get these players. If, you know, Cater was to leave... 
Leipzig or um, Van Dijk, Van Dijk signs for somebody else. But signs for wages that we know Liverpool wouldn't offer, but his transfer fee is around what we know we'd offer. People will say to themselves, well, why didn't we do that? And Klopp may well say that, because he'll say, listen, I wanted these. I haven't gone to get six or seven players. I've wanted four, planned five signs. Planned, yeah. Yeah. You know, our definitive improvements for the first team are players that you imagine would go straight into the first team and don't need you know, a period of time to bed in. You know, are of sufficient quality that even if they weren't at the best they were at at the current clubs, they'd still come in and be an improvement for us. That's where Klopp might there might be some frustration. But people who are expecting Klopp to show that frustration now clearly aren't privy to the kind of conversations that think, Melissa's just talked about there about well, you know, this might just take a bit of time because what Leipzig are probably saying, you know, and and this happened with you know Torres. Torres talks about this, doesn't he? Liverpool say don't go public yet. Let us get your replacements because if Leipzig, you know, are talking to these stats people and saying, right, well, if we're going to sign him, we probably need to change our the way we play. We need to go and sign two or three players to replace him, and seventy million will get us that. They're probably thinking to themselves, well, hang on, who are these two or three players? We need a bit of time now because we've been expecting no one to sign him, and Liverpool are persistent and they're going to get him. The lad wants to go, but they're probably saying to him in Liverpool, give us time. You know, if it's not done in two weeks, we'll just sign a deal and we'll sell him to you. But give us time to try and get some targets ready so that we can announce them. Because they've got the same pressures Liverpool would have. That if Liverpool were to sell a great player now, if Liverpool sold Coutinho, everyone's reaction would be, how are they going to spend that Coutinho? Who are you getting? Yeah, not not just the frustration at losing it would be, well, OK, we'll give you the chance. Who are you going to sign? You can't just sign a replacement for Philip Coutinho because if there was a better replacement for Philip Coutinho, they're cheaper. Liverpool, would, that, that club would have just signed them. So it's not so easy as people make out. And, you know, I, I think people just look at it not, not just short-sighted, but just, as Melissa says, in their own prism, in their own Liverpool you know, world of, well, Liverpool want these players, so that should be the end of it. There's one other thing on this, Mel, which is the, the Lukaku thing does ever so slightly undo, though I am intrigued by it, the way, and the way which you phrased it before struck me as quite interesting as well, but there is the... I think, well, again, the idea that there's... Almost like there's a market, there's a constant market. It's going on around Europe all the time, and anyone can sort of just just intercede and go. Well, we're we're going to go for him. You're going for him, so we're going to go for him. Whereas yeah. I think more and more it, it looks. And if you're going to shop at the high end of this market, which is what we we say we want to do, that these players are wooed and charmed over a long period of time. So you know, Lukaku's got the issues, the specific agents, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. we, I don't want to go into that particularly, but that one does appear to have shifted from the idea of one club to another relatively quickly. But on the whole, it does look to me, at least as an outsider to this process, as though now, you know, the 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 days of sort of speedy deals at that that the high end of the market are gone. Not because not even because of the complexity of them, but because you effectively seduce the footballer because you want his talent and that process takes three to six months. It doesn't happen in a week and a half. Yeah, I think if you look at um, Coutinho as an example or, or anyone Barcelona try to sign, and I don't think there's any arguments that Barcelona are one of the biggest clubs in the world, if not the biggest, the one that you know most footballers do want to actually join. Yeah. Um, and even they go on these long, long, long charm offensives where you know where their players get involved as well, even yeah. former players get involved and come out and say all these nice things uh, about the target. And it is very much like that, a game of chess where you put in all, you're putting a lot of effort into it, you're putting a lot of intelligence into it. There's There's a lot of thinking that goes in. 
Um, and there's a lot of, um, like you say, it is a process that is, you know, fundamentally has many layers. And it's quite rare, like you say, with the Lukaku shifting from Chelsea to United. I think the other one was the Pedro situation as well, where United thought they were going to get him and then he went to Chelsea. But it is becoming rarer to see those kind of things happening when a target has been uh, identified for a long time. I think the other thing that frustrates people as well is that they assume that Liverpool are the only club whose targets are publicly known, whereas we all know who Man City want to sign. Mm. It's been known for ages now who City want to sign. We all know United were in for Morata for a long time. Um, the Lukaku thing came as a little bit of a surprise, but I think once the Rooney news came out, it was then quite evident that Lukaku would be going in the opposite direction. Um, so it's not, again, I think it's that viewing things just with a Liverpool lens, whereas Liverpool are, are operating in a market that A, the, the prices are stratospheric this summer, uh, especially in the areas they want to strengthen in. Um, centre back, yeah, uh, ridiculous prices all through because there's a scramble in Europe for centre backs, um, and I think they're just trying to operate in this sphere uh, as best they can. It's like Dan says, it's a switch in the strategy a little, but I I don't think stylistically it is in terms of the the kind of player, but obviously in terms of fees and. The ballpark and and the 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 end at which they're shopping in it it's a change, and I mean pulling off club record deals that is quite a smashing of the club record. Yep. I I don't think they can be easy to do. But, but don't forget as well, Lukaku said he wanted to leave. Yep. And publicly and came, out, for three years. Publicly yeah. came yeah. out and said it. Not not like you know Virgil Van Dijk's told Southampton he wants to leave, and it's there's no quote in there. It's just a source says. Lukaku came out and done an interview. He publicly rejected the contract and came out and done an interview with the date, I think it was Dominic King, wasn't it? At, at Belfield, um, or Finch Farm, wherever they are now, saying you know, he wants to leave, he wants that other opportunity, he wants to move on. So I think if a player does that, it's much easier because you're all thinking to yourself, well, OK, we've, we've yeah. now got to maximise our value as the selling club. Van Dijk, Southampton are probably saying to Van Dijk, well, if you want to leave, mate, say Publicly come out and say for go. That money that we'll probably have to pay you if you, if you don't do it. You know, there's all these things that go on behind the closed doors. Van Dijk apparently wants to leave, but he probably thinks to himself, well, I'm not going to say I want to leave and I want to join Liverpool publicly because it might not happen and somebody better might come in and I can go and sign for them instead. Or somebody better might say to me, do us a favour, mate, wait 12 months, we'll sign you next summer. We're interested in you and he thinks, well, that's a better option for me. OK. Um, I want to talk about, well, but begin to sum this up a little bit and move on to other things. Um, I'm going to get Dan Austin to ring Nabi Keita and tell him how great you're looking our new red kit. It's part <laughs> of the, the long seduction. I can't think of anyone better. Uh, there is, on this, though, I'm going to sort of, I think I'm of the view Liverpool to start start this summer and haven't come back from the holiday and all that sort of stuff. Dan, Liverpool start the summer. They were interested uh it was publicly said in Salah, Van Dijk, uh, Keita, um, Oxley Chamberlain, and a dog to play left back. Um, <laughs> which of the Salah's happens? Which of the other four do you think actually will happen by the time the window closes? Um, dog and a kit at left back, hundred percent. Yeah, for for less than double figures, whoever it is, whether it's Andrew Robertson or if it's someone else, it'll be someone to play understudy to Milner. 
Um, and I th- I'm starting to think that they definitely will get Oxley chamberlain just because I think it makes sense in most of the ways in that you weaken a rival. He's not particularly expensive. It's not that much of a risk. Um, he's not got an awful lot of responsibility on his shoulders. If he's first man off the bench, that's fine as well. Um, so I, w- I would say that one. I think there seems to be still a, a sense of optimism around the Van Dyke thing, but I- just just the word of that statement makes me think it's an awfully big shift to put that out and then end up getting him anyway. So I think the language of that one makes me makes me doubt that one more, and and Leipzig's stubbornness over over Keita and what's it, Ralph Ragnick. Ragnick the noises he keeps making. I think that one's probably the least likely in my opinion. Okay, Jay. Um, I reckon we'll get Keita only because I've probably just convinced myself of it in the head that we'll be playing a midfield for us next <laughs> year, and it's going to give Klopp a hell of a question to answer about what our midfield looks like. I, I think he. It's a player he clearly wants, and I, and I think if you cater as much as you're thinking Leipzig and in, I think he's thinking this is a step up. No matter how good they played in Germany, it's a step up for him. Yeah, you know it's it's in Golo Kante leaving Leicester despite them winning the league and being in the Champions League and going to Chelsea. It's a it's the Premier League. It's a shop wins, and I think he's I, I you know without knowing any of it, I, I think it's the kind of thing you'd expect a player like that to say. Yeah, this is the right move for me. I think if you're Van Dijk, you're probably maybe thinking. Well, yeah, I'd like to go, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna flog myself for it. You Where did you think Kater might? Others, I think Kater's thinking, I'm gone. I might not, you know. Th- there doesn't seem to be an awful lot of other clubs talking about signing Kater. He's thinking maybe this is my opportunity. A la Leicester players last year, you know, I bet you Mares and Vardy probably wished he'd have moved on last year now and taken that chance. Uh, I think a, a left back seems a given, but what what kind of left back you get? But I, but I'm not too concerned by that. I, I, I'm I'm not too concerned that if we don't sign those players that. I don't quite get the forty, the, the seventy million for for Van Dijk. I don't, I just, even though it's you know these numbers are just numbers on a spreadsheet now. I don't quite get it in terms of the agency for that, um, for that kind of money. I think, you know, I can only assume as I say I'm positive about it because Klopp's yep. really sure he wants them. Um, but I think it'll be the midfielder Kater. Okay, uh, which of the four do you expect, Mel? Uh, so difficult. To um, definitely a left back. Um, as things stand. Um, Robertson is the one under consideration, but I think they'd be looking at others and looking to see if they can do um, any more in that situation before definitely settling on on whether it Has, would be him. Um, Ryan Sessegnon joined Spurs. Yes, no, he's signed a no, new deal at Fulham. Yeah, he's happy. He's, just, is, he's doing, is, he's doing is next season for Fulham. New yeah. deal, or yeah. is that a new deal so he can leave? No, it's a proper new deal. He's doing another season at Fulham. Um, I think. Leipzig are being incredibly stubborn over Cater. I don't think that is a bluff. I don't think it obviously strengthens their bargaining position or whatever, but I don't think it's a bluff. I, they do want to build around him. They, the only thing they don't have, they've got money, they have a good squad, they play good football. They want to be a super club, but they have no status at the moment, and that's what they're trying to get. But Liverpool can give him that. Automatically, Liverpool don't have to Overnight. work yeah. towards it. Yeah, uh, I think that happens just purely based on determination to get it done. I, 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 I think it's really, really difficult to do, and no one should underestimate how much of a pain it's going to be and how exhausting it will be but I think that happens Van Dijk is is a very difficult one because of what's gone on and I think 
what's gone on can't only be viewed in its circumstance of tapping up apology, but the business that Southampton and Liverpool have done. Southampton are sick of Liverpool taking their <laughs> players, um, understandably so. So I think that is probably, as things stand, the most difficult one to get over the line, even though, you know, he's wanted to, to move to Anfield. I just think the situation between the clubs um, makes it quite taxing. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Arsenal were confident about two weeks ago, three weeks ago-ish, that he would sign a new deal. Um, they were offering him a good package, a lot of money. He wanted guarantees. Um, keep shifting, uh, sort of. And at the moment, the noises from Arsenal are that they would keep him, even if he doesn't sign a new contract. They don't want to sell him to a rival. Again, there, though, I think, if they struggle continuously struggle to get him to commit to that new deal, yeah. um, then Liverpool are, are well-primed and placed to go and get him. OK, um, excellent stuff. Do you want to talk about the outs briefly? Because, we, you know, we, we, as football supporters, we're all very intrigued by ins. The outs, the, again, there doesn't seem to be much shift, Jay, in terms of where we were at the start of the window. And that's... A, a, again suggests Liverpool's transfer business in general is following the path that it's been expected to follow so far. So, so you know, at the start of the window, everyone would have said Moreno will go, Saka will go, Markovic will go, um, Kev Stewart may well go, that's mooted, the one who's a bit um and an ah and you can't quite work it out and you wonder if it's, if it's other business dependent is uh, Lucas. Um, you know, it might be that Liverpool decide to ask him to do one more year, uh, as they will do when he's 73. Um, <laughs> and there is also... The one which hasn't become solid uh, in any way is storage. Uh, it doesn't appear, you know, there's, there's, um, that doesn't appear to be shaking itself out, which would suggest that there's uh, an appetite maybe on both sides that he that that he sticks with his, his Liverpool career at this stage. That there hasn't been that much of a concrete link. Do you, again, do you think there'll be any surprises in that, or do you think I've pretty much summarised who's likely to be going? Uh, I think the players you have, you've talked about, but I think there's ones on the periphery then, you know, your Conor Randalls, your John Flanagan's yeah. and stuff like that. But I think lots of them players, it will either be, uh, and this isn't necessarily a, a view on them, but I think it will either be when other clubs become desperate to sign players, so later on in the window, uh, lesser clubs become desperate to sign When it all them, begins so to shake out. They'll start wanting to sign yeah. a Kev Stewart because they think he might improve the player they've just missed out on, or, yeah. you know, John Flanagan might go there on loan kind of thing, or... I think it'll happen as and when Liverpool do sign or don't sign players. So I think if you're Albert Moreno, you're probably thinking, I'm going to move on. If Liverpool don't sign a left-back, he's maybe thinking, well, I'm not just going to go for the sake of it, though. So if Liverpool yep. sign a left-back, I know I'm not going to be in and around the first team, fine. But I think if he thinks he can be in and around the first team, he'll live with that and thinks, well, OK, well, you know, I'm confident I can come in and maybe play a few games. Back me ability. Yeah, and, you know, Milner might get injured and I'll be expected to play and then I can play for Liverpool. I'd rather play a dozen, two dozen games for Liverpool and, you know, be on the bench in some of those, then, you know, yeah. go and play 30 games for... Uh, uh, a side know, that's going to come ninth a, a side, in yeah, 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 someone that he's not uh, as, as thingy for. The, on some of our players, though, I think it is just as well that they'll believe they're better than those clubs who maybe become desperate. So I think John Flanagan will probably think he's better than some of the clubs that'll come in for him, and I'd argue he probably is. Kev Stewart might think that, but I'd probably think he isn't. Daniel Sturridge, I think this is the big thing for Daniel Sturridge. No club is going to want to sign him that he's good enough for and not and you can say to him will make him think it's the right club to go for because if he's fit he plays for Liverpool and he knows that himself 
Yeah, I think a lot of it as well, like Jay said, will come down to, especially the players on the fringes, how how many clubs have missed out on their targets and how far down their list they're going for. The other issue as well is that Liverpool are pretty um, strong on their valuations of the players going out and they, it never used to be the case in the past. So I think it's a welcome change from them because you know the other big clubs do it as well, maximise uh, their exits. Mamadou Sacco, they want around £30 million for him. And... You know, when they look at the Michael Keane deal, they're thinking, well, we're within our rights to do that. Yep. We're talking about a pedigreed defender who's French got international. exactly European experience. Um, and, you know, they say to Crystal Palace, if you want him, which Crystal Palace do, I know they've said before that they've ended interest, but he is still their top choice. The only issue for them is the fee. Um, but given what he did on loan there um, and the risk you take by signing a centre-back for a lot less from another league who you don't know how they're going to come in and, and settle in the yeah. Premier League. Um, it's noticeable, just just to interrupt you on that, actually reading the, the runes of the transfer, sort of the way in which that works, it's noticeable that that's the sort of signing that Brighton, Bournemouth and... Sorry, Brighton, uh, Huddersfield and Newcastle are making. Whereas Crystal Palace, who last season were in a relegation scrap with those yeah. sides until the bitter yeah. end, yeah. are linked with Mamadou Sacco. And, yeah. and if they want to not be in that relegation exactly. scrap and be with those players... Exactly. There's the, there's the players you gamble on. So, for instance, Jorgensen going to Huddersfield is yeah. a gamble signing. Might work, might not. Looks like he's a good player, but it sometimes it just doesn't work. Whereas Sacco, it's less of a gamble for Crystal Palace, and that's that's. And Palace need to find a way to set themselves as fifteen twenty points better than, for instance, Huddersfield. Absolutely. And the other thing that that makes his valuation feel um, close to what it should be is like we mentioned before, there's a scramble for centre-backs across Europe. Yep. So clubs are going to be losing their top centre-backs to other clubs that want top centre-backs and will they thus need a replacement. And he will be featuring quite high on a lot of radars because of, like we said, his pedigrees, experience, ability. Um, and then, yeah, with Alberto Moreno as well, a high price to pay for a left-back Especially if you're a, a European club, if you're in La Liga or whatever, you always think you can get a cheaper option somehow, some yeah. way. Uh, but then as you start missing out on your targets, he then becomes more of an option. Italian clubs have looked at him. He prefers a return to, to Spain. Um, with Daniel Sturridge, like Jay mentioned, it, it depends on the, the calibre of club that comes in for him. PSG wanted him on loan in January. Liverpool didn't want to let him go on loan. And I can see him staying if there's nothing suitable that he finds suitable or that Liverpool finds suitable for him. Um, and if anything, perhaps a loan move to someone like a PSG if that's on the on the table and, and he feels he's not going to play as much. Um but yeah, I think the, the outs aren't as um, taxing at the moment because of the nature of um, of the players at the club who will leave. Yeah, I'm stupidly excited about the idea of storage saying, you know, <laughs> like I'm just almost a bit like I would. Uh, by, I think everyone, yeah, by no March, matter how much you think his legs are gone, yeah. would be would be secretly delighted with uh, it. Yeah. But, but I, I also like it for all the people who are like it will probably piss off who don't think he's that good. I have one of me too, and it will probably piss off. 
because he used to convince these ladies he didn't like mates he was brilliant against West Ham just watch that game again and and what worked movement was brilliant mm. I mean I genuinely like by March I'd conv- I would I was like there's no way storage stays there's no way storage stays mm. there's no way storage stays and then when he rounds the keeper against West Ham I'm like this is the best day of my life <laughs> what, on the strikers though it is an interesting point isn't it because you've got Origi who people are you know probably looking at thinking flattering to deceive at times you know or still in there he's still young give him a chance kind of thing he's got all the attributes Danny Ings you'd expect he's a player that I'm that I look at and think he's a Jürgen Klopp player Mike Nevin will be fuming with you for saying that. But I think there were times, even in Klopp's first season, when I'm thinking he would make a difference here, particularly the way he was playing, because, again, you can only go back to the way he was playing pre-injury the first time round. But he's a clever that, player, isn't he? Good movement. Yeah, that poor lad. Yeah, and he plays off someone's shoulder, and he's just, he's just in and around the box stuff. That poor lad, though, he's not going to get his chance at Liverpool now, I can't see. And if I, he does stay, if he does stay, because the signing of uh, Solanke from Chelsea, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool must have offered him something. He hasn't mm. come to Liverpool to only go and play for our under twenty threes. Yeah. He's been told you get you're, probably, you're yeah. gonna get the you know, couple of league games that you're near me when players are injured, you're gonna get the League Cups, maybe the FA Cup and stuff like that. But that's where Danny Ings will play. Because we haven't got enough strikers. because we've got too many strikers now. So there's a natural thing where the likes of just, can you see a Rigi going? Is there any would there be for him? Because I just think where's if I'm a Rigi, I'm thinking to myself, where am I getting my game? If Daniel Sturridge doesn't go well, I, I game. on this, which I think is quite interesting, is I, I, the manager's. I'm going to come on to the manager's comments in general. But one of the things he said in the last couple of weeks is maybe about playing a couple more systems than he did last season. He's, and I, I wonder, you know, to me, the most interesting selection of the last sort of three, uh, two months of the season was suddenly, oh, we're going to play a diamonds against West Ham, and Sturridge is going to play up front with the E. As though something in it, I'm going to drop Coutinho deep. As though something in his mind sort of went this thing will work in this sort of game. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it's something that we're going to see a bit more of next season, which might mean that, for instance, if you are Origi or if you are Solanke, you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I, I've got this thing I was talking about. Yeah, game. but I was talking about last night. Like, for instance, if you actually just imagine the first week of the season, it's Watford, the Champions League qualifier, and then Palace at home. They're the three games. Now, Palace at home has not been a straightforward game for us. Watford away, Marco Silva's first game, doesn't lose home games. Mm. It's going to be really hard. And in there, there's a Champions League qualifier that we've got to win. I'm so you know if you begin to actually think will will Klopp go with the same side in all three? That's actually a little tricky to see how that happens. But they're all three massive games that no, Liverpool but, want to get six points from and a good result. No, but by the nature of particularly the attacking players we've got, this is where really, the transfers fascinates me and it probably fits into who might leave. He's not gonna of all the players, each of them is only gonna get one game out of those three. So put, no, no. putting Coutinho into midfield is you know. What does that do for Henderson, Kate? If Kate was to come, Chan, Wijnaldum, yeah. You know, what what does that do in it, Lallana? There'll be a, no, there'll be a lot of players you'll get too. But my point is more the idea that if you're Solanke, suddenly you're on the bench in a Champions League game and you might get twenty minutes, which wasn't going to happen for you at Chelsea. No, and that's what I mean. But that, so then, what does that say to Rodri? Because he's probably thinking to himself, well, if Starting Solanke's Palace. getting the game, Firmino's not. So Firmino's on the bench. So because 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 yeah yeah. The, and this will be an interesting challenge for. Um, so uh, just on this because I've seen a lot of people talking about this. Do you almost think, think do you think we've got too many forwards? Uh, I think I think we've got well, depends on the system you play. I know that sounds like a cop yeah, yeah. but it, but it's the system. But I don't think he's going to change it enough and change the players enough to keep them all happy. And particularly the fees you're paying. Salah hasn't come to sit on the bench. No no no. For he, 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 he might say to, he might accept in his head that he'll play, be on the bench for one in five. Yeah. One in four, but he's not thinking he's on the bench for one in three. No, Firmino's not thinking I'm happy being on the bench. One in three, Coutinho's not. 
Lalana's not. There's players that are too good to just be on the bench. It's our management, so, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, for all those, uh, we, let's all remember this in the pink and um, in a month and a bit's time, mate. But it, I think I think that's a unique thing within the transfers, and maybe that's why Klopp is thinking, well, if I can't sign these players, sign. I'll live with what I've got because it's. I'm just. Moving one headache down the road. There's, uh, just on this quite quickly, I think, um, if I talk to you first on this, Dan, I was, one of the things that the last, couple of se- last two seasons, two, three seasons, English sides haven't done so well in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that sort of struck me, we know it's an attritional league, we know that it's, it's different challenges in a lot of senses for the bigger clubs than, for instance, the, the Spanish league and the German league is, if you're Bayern Munich and if you're Real Madrid and if you're Barcelona. But one of the things that sort of, that, that's occurred to me that's happening here is, is that we're returning to... The, every side, I think, I think every side that's sort of got top four, top six aspirations, with the possible exception of Spurs, because the the, the stadium question and the money question for them, is we all going back to the idea of sort of twenty man, twenty one man squads where you'd have conversations around. It's going to be hard to keep everyone happy. Whereas for the last few se- last two or three years, I think you've looked at everyone, and with the exception of United, you've been able to pretty much go. That's the first eleven. There's three subs. There'll be some other lads who'll fill that bench out. That's mm. been the case for City. It was the case for Chelsea last season, who had a really good first three subs, but then there was lads on the bench at times you'd never heard of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas now I think every all these Premier League sides, because the intensity, because of how hard you want to run, certainly if you're Jurgen Klopp, I do think we could be in a situation for the first time in a while where we're looking at 21, 22, 20, 23 players. Exactly, and I think the point you make about Chelsea is interesting because um, Chelsea did, did survive the vast majority of the season with decent luck with injuries on about 14 or 15 main lads. Um, when Liverpool got injuries, they couldn't do the same thing because they didn't have... First of all, the, the amount of first-team players and secondly, the quality of first-team players in reserve. So if Liverpool had the squad that we assume they'll have this season in January when they were going to Hull and lose and when they were losing at home to Swansea and all that sort of stuff... To all at Sunderland. You, you would assume that Liverpool would have maintained the challenge for longer. Um, and then the games against... Um, Plymouth and, and Wolves in the cup, you, you assume would have gone a bit easier as well, because then, as opposed to bringing in the likes of Conor Randall and stuff like that, maybe you bring in, yeah, you, you bring in Trent or you bring in your new left back that you've got who's a young lad and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's, I think everyone sort of assumes we need more players because we're in the Champions League because we've got Europe, and that, that that is obviously a big deal. But also you need more players because. You're going to need them in your league campaign, as as we saw last season. Yeah. It's not it's not a case of well, you can just stick with the same few and go with that because Liverpool get a lot of injuries, whether that's because of the way they train, whether that's because of of, of the players they've got. I've, I've got a predisposition to it. We've seen over the last two seasons that Liverpool have a disproportionately high amount of injuries in comparison to the likes of Chelsea. Um, so they have to deal with that, and they have to deal with that now across four competitions. And then that that's when you come back to the argument about whether. Well, well, you keep Danny Ings because Danny Ings can play your league cup. But the problem, or, I think, is, you, is we're going to have them players disproportionate to certain ways of playing. So, unless he's imagining if you played 4-4-2, Salah can play on the wing and Mane on the other side and you play them as out-and-out wingers, you, we've just got an abundance of players in the front. Well, what, what I would say about positions. that is when, when you were talking about playing the, the two up front and a diamond earlier on, as opposed to as opposed to keeping an Ings or... or using a Solanke a lot 
wouldn't he just play Mane as one of the two? Well, he might with Firmino next yeah, yeah. to him he and might, stuff like that. So when he talks about systems, I don't think he necessarily means with all of the players swapping around. Yeah. He might yeah. just mean we'll, do, we'll, we'll play the way we start for but, 60 minutes and then rather than bringing Ben, Wood, ben Woodburn on, we'll, switch, we'll switch, switch the way we play as opposed to who we play. But on that, Mel, and just to sort of... It's the point that Dan's driving at, which is that you say you need the more players for the Champions League, but you actually need more players to qualify for the Champions League. Liverpool play a schedule to play 11 league games from Saturday the 18th of November until the 1st of January. 11 league games in that period. They'll also be, if they're through the League Cup, there'll be at least one League Cup game and there'll be two Champions League games in the period that I've just mentioned as well. It's an unbelievable, uh, intense run from the 18th of November going right the way through until the 1st of January and it's arguable that the side that does best across those 11 games could well be the side that goes on and wins the title. It strikes me as last season the manager went with this front three, got his front three uh, and pretty much went with approximately the same way of playing for a long, long time. He's talked about different systems already in this, in, and that we might well see them in pre-season, which we're going to come on to talk about in a second. Do you think he's going to change the way in which he goes about his own sort of approach, his own business in the early going this season, and look to sort of to to, to make make more changes than we saw last campaign? I th- yeah, I think um, two things about last season which was different, uh, that is obviously that there weren't as many demands because there weren't as many games, there wasn't mm-hmm. the burden of Europe um, or the excitement of Europe. Uh, <laughs> and um, so they had a smaller squad for what they needed, which is why he tended to not uh, fix what wasn't broken. What worked at the start of the season was how it was going to carry on because... Liverpool were seeing a lot of joy and a lot of success with that, and only injuries curtailed mm-hmm. the way they were playing. Um, the demands are only going to increase this season, and what he expects from his players is a lot, and I I can't see him expecting it from them in all those games when he's got a bigger squad. Um, yeah. And everyone that Liverpool are targeting is quite flexible. Um, not in terms of... Um, Versi- what you typically term versatility but Salah for example just by him and Mane switching gives Liverpool a completely different yeah. um, in the same game in the space of a few minutes if they switch gives Liverpool a completely different dimension to their a- attack so they're quite smart in what they're doing in looking at these players who cater for example can play 6, 8 or 10 so, you know, if you've got an injury to Coutinho and you're looking for a playmaker, yep. somebody to make things happen, he can do that. If you've got an injury to Jordan Henderson and you need somebody to play as a six, he can do that. Um, and I think we th- it can look a lot when, you're not, when, the, when we're still in pre-season and we're not in the thick of things. But once you add the injuries, once you add the travel, how taxing the games are, you're going to need those players. And one of the things I think about is when Danny Ings got injured um, last year, there was comments like, oh, he wasn't going to play anyway. When we got to January, you sat there thinking a fit Danny Ings would have been exceptional to have right now. This is exactly the kind of player you need mm-hmm. for this schedule at the moment, the way things are going. So I think having good quality players, of course, you know, they're not going to be happy not getting as much game time. But that's where you have to push yourself. Um, and 
you, you said at the start of the show, he mentioned the goalkeepers this morning. And one of the interesting things he said is Karius didn't have the best season, but he helped Mignolet have a better season because of the competition. And I think Danny Ward is just an extension of that. And it will be the same thing with the forwards. They all, if you have, to, if you want to play, when you get your opportunity, you have to be really, really good. You have and you also to have to bounce into training on Monday. Exactly. Because there's another fellow who's going to bounce as well. Exactly. And, and that entire situation, the have, having the players to push each other, is only going to elevate Liverpool at the end. So I, I don't think it's something we should look at and be tentative about. But it's to drive, hopefully drive the players. On the goalkeeper situation, as Mel's very neatly segued for me, Jay. It was interesting. I mean, I, I've, I've, again, maybe a one-size-fits-all in this. I've never really subscribed to the view that goalkeepers need competition. I've always thought goalkeepers need certainty. But it might simply be that Simon Mignolet does. You know, that he's a different type of human being to somebody else. You know, different people respond to different things. And it was an interesting comment from the manager, the idea that, well, it could be any of the three of them. I think we'd all be hugely surprised if it wasn't Mignolet starting the first game at Watford. But the other side of that is that it might be that Jurgen Klopp's thinking, well, the way I've, I've, I've seen it now, the way I get the best out of this fella is by making him feel as though he can lose his place. And that's how I'll keep him honest. I'll keep him, I'll keep him going. I'll keep him doing the business for me. Yeah, and he may also be thinking it's a threat, to, it's an offer to the other two lads, yeah. where he might be thinking to himself, and, and, I, and I think comes back to the wider transfer stuff, is he's maybe thinking, all right, well, I'm going to keep you for now, but in a year's time, you're out, because Arnold's going to come in at right back, and I think the same, same in the goalkeeping situation, you'd imagine Liverpool might say to themselves, you know, Mignolet's going to drop down to the bench, one of Carrius or Ward are going to kick on, Ward maybe either leaves and goes you know, back to Huddersfield, and you know, he's he plays in and around Liverpool this year and leaves in January or something. I think Carrius, you know, if he wants to have a career, he's going to have to kick on and you're going to want to see a bit more from him. He's going to want to play games. So I think that it's as much to Mignolet as it is to the other two to say if you get your chance, you're going to have to take it um, if you want to, you know, have a Liverpool career. So, you know, I'd expect to see um, at least Carrius play early on. I think the challenge will be, and I think just looking at Klopp's words there, he, he can't possibly give all three a chance. He just can't. It's yeah. just too... Even in pre-season, it's Even hard. in pre-season, it's going to be too chop change. You know, the thoughts of changing your keeper after 45 minutes in a pre-season friendly... Or every half an hour. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the 45 minutes, there's a chance the second half there's not going to be a shot. Yeah. Or it's just going to suddenly be a complete change when that team brings on all their best players and the pepper and the goal and you look worse. You know, what? imagine changing every 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see Neil and I and Sammy here on Wednesday now, just thinking. Rotating. What's he doing on thirty minutes? Well, here? Danny Ward coming on. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited about Sammy on, th- on 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 Wednesday, and uh, not least because I think I might get to see Jordan Henderson and Daniel Sturridge play football, and that's never a bad thing. The pre-season stuff is. It's the strange games. Uh, it is a little bit, Dan. You know, you can. I think it's important not to take too much from them. That's one of my major things. The only thing I, I'm, I have got in my mind is last season, for instance, which was when we saw Milner at full back for the first time properly. It was from his first preseason game. I think mm. in the first one he plays right back, and then then he's just at left back, and then that's the way we went. But there will be one or two bits to look out for. But I, I'm sort of the view. You know, I haven't had a, a summer without a, a major tournament. It'll be quite nice just to watch the Reds play football. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think the especially main... Daniel Sturridge. Can we, can we ensure he get he, he get he plays, please? I think what, the heel's gonna flounce out of Preton Park. Just get <laughs> off. Sturridge, get the ferry back. <laughs> I think the main notion is is 
of as, as you say, having a look at, at seeing what system he plays and and things like that, or, or noticing any sort of small details about like, oh, there's this this young player that's been brought up. Like for example, I don't think anyone expected Ben Woodburn to get so many preseason games last season, which then fed into him playing in the first team. Um, so that might be someone exciting from from that regard. In terms of like the the quality of of how the players play. Then no, I think it was Marco Groich, wasn't it? it? Was the start of preseason last mm. season, Mustard. and then he didn't play for six months. Yeah. Um, or, or I remember a few years ago, Iago Spass scored in Steven Gerrard's testimonial against Olympiacos, um, and then and then was was terrible. So I, I, you can't read into the actual quality of the performances, especially considering some of the teams that they're playing. Um, it's going to be Tranmere and first, isn't it? And then the the it, it's like two games in one day in Hong Kong, I think. So that's a bit more of a. It, it, it's, it's, it's not. It's not as serious as, as it would possibly be. No. That's, no. that's two games. One on the nineteenth and one on the twenty second. I think you're yeah. thinking of Germany where they played the day after each other. Yeah, the day oh, yeah. after. Oh, okay. yeah, okay. Germany's back to back games. Um, so it's not. I, I, I don't think you can read anything more into it apart from oh, it seems to have this as a, as a bit of an idea maybe. Yeah. And in terms of them getting fitness, and also looking at it and thinking, well, we're absolutely sure, pretty much, that he's not going to be playing for Liverpool in September. But he's clearly playing him in the hope that someone might watch him and think, actually, he's not that bad. There's uh, on this. I mean, it's not that bad. It's going to be. It's going to be. Well, be Alberto Moreira is not that bad. There is Mel. There, you know, it, it is quite a strong group who haven't who haven't had any international football yeah. uh, over the summer. It is quite a strong group who've been back in pre-season since day one. Stronger than normal is what I'm saying, and I think off the back of that, you can probably expect to see slightly stronger than normal sides. Yeah. I think you can. Um, I also agree with the element of there's not much you can conclude from from the early games. I think in Germany is where, because that's where his real training focus is. That's the camp, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's where you'll sort of glean the best insight in terms of shape that they should start the season with and uh, the players that that should be starting the first game because we've got a good idea of that uh, last summer uh, from the camp. So I'm really excited as well because it br- it's I think people have the perception that transfer tra- covering transfers is enjoyable. It's really not until the moment it you know you're breaking a big one. It's real. Uh, yeah, uh, but everything else is is quite annoying in in the build up to it. But the games are are different. It's it's good to see, good to get that feel again to to talk about the actual football rather than things that are happening off the pitch um, alright uh, what's coming up there is the, uh, the, 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 the pre-season games as discussed um, and so this week Liverpool go to Tramia at Prenton Park and then on Friday they go to Wigan um, and I'm hoping to go to both of them uh, not that that should matter to you uh, but we'll be talking about them on uh, tour player uh, post-match and just having really quite nice light discussions about them just want to talk about the uh, live shows that uh, John and Gareth are working on uh, there's one on the Friday the 14th of July in Dubai uh, at Goodfellas if you can get down for that uh, if you're in Dubai if you're listening uh, Friday the 14th of July Goodfellas uh, and bring friends uh, the more the merrier the way in which this stuff works it's lovely to have a, a, a great pint and I know that John's looking forward to that the most uh, I'm sure Gareth is too and then on Tuesday the 18th of July uh, Champs in Hong Kong uh, John and Gareth hopefully joined by Melissa you coming aren't you? 
Yes, Magic um, and the Hong Kong show. Yeah. Uh, Magic. Uh, so they're going to be doing that. Uh, Champs in Hong Kong on Tuesday, the 18th of July. Uh, so Dubai on the 14th of July, Hong Kong on the 18th of July. And the tickets are from ctickets.com. I mentioned that the post-match shows that we're going to be doing uh, around the pre-season friendlies. I want to point out something else as well. I very much enjoyed my week off and listened to lots and lots of the shows. Well done, Dan. Uh, and uh, had a nice time. Well done, Mel, as well. I think you hosted one, didn't you? Yes, I Yes, I'm listening to that one, Mel. Sorry. Uh, will do. Heartbroken. Um, Got it. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I've, I've got to be honest. Back down to here, got a pub there, Mel. Um, well done. Didn't listen, though. Going uh, strike. Turned off. <laughs> Putting in a transfer request. Yeah, turn, t- you turned off. Sorry, I'm Liverpool. I want to take ages. <laughs> um, but I want, I want to mention the free show last week, uh, this show that you're listening to, that Gareth did. Um, it's part of uh, part of us shifting our offering a little bit next season. If you like that sort of thing, Gareth's going to be working on them on a on a pretty regular basis. Stuff that's uh, a little different uh, as part of the, the, the tour unwrapped strand, which Rob isn't going to present anymore. Rob's going to be presenting something else don't you worry at all you're going to get a lot of Rob Gutman but uh, there is you know I thought it was fantastic I thought it was genuinely insightful it was a joy to listen to to be honest with you whilst I was uh, relaxing, re- relaxing and reclining uh, and I really enjoyed it and it, you know a lot of, there was a lot of nice comments on it so you know thanks for them but also to point out people said things like you know this is the sort of stuff that you get from from, from uh, other media outlets the sort of stuff that you might get on something like Five Live well I just want to be really honest really and say that the, the aim of the enterprise here uh, if you're not subscribed is to be better than that uh, is to be better than Five Live. Is to be the best, uh, the best thing, not just to cover in Liverpool, but anything that sort of will get your attention as a football supporter, as a Liverpool supporter as well. That's the aim of the enterprise, and that's what we're trying to do. Not just on on these free shows, but also behind the paywall. Um, so if you have been um and ahhing, the season starts this week, and five pounds a month is a nice amount of money uh, for you to part with to get hopefully lots and lots of insight, lots and lots of stuff. That's a huge amount of fun. Lots of people sort of showcase themselves and, and, and being the centre of Liverpool Football Club from the heart of the city, of supporting the club very much, so that's what we're very much about, so if you get the opportunity, if you've been on an hour and it's a new season and it's a new opportunity to subscribe uh, but thank you anyway for listening to this and thank you for listening to Dan Austin, uh, to Melissa Reddy and to Jay McKenna that is the Anfield Wrap this week, Liverpool are going to kick a ball, let's hope Daniel Sturridge does too Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>